Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show. With Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. I cannot hear anything. It, it just, what? there's so much backfeed. Oh, man. Okay. Let's um, turn that off. How about now? Now? Say that now. again. How about now? That's Sounds better. Are you, eating, are you eating the mic? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You gotta pull up. See, that's pull up that's, the, that's the only way you can do it. You gotta eat it. Now? I pulled the game a little bit. No, just... breaking up, breaking up. Okay. Well, you know what, folks? It was a great idea to go live on Facebook Live to simulcast. We've done this before, um, but no. But it's never been like this. It's well. It's um. We've done. We've done this when you were on phone, and I plugged in my phone into the mixer, but right. everything is running the computer right now. Probably one of the reasons. Um, but anyhow, what we're going to do here, folks, is we're going to stop the live feed for right now. And um, Why do you sound fine well, right now? Huh? Why do I sound fine right what? now? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She sounds good now. I know. Oh, okay. Weird. Okay, well, we're just going to keep totally with this. Strange. It is okay, strange. Okay, just, let, well, we're just let's keep going until it starts happening again. <laughs> now, this again, folks, is going to happen is we're going to uh, sign off of this particular, <coughs> excuse me, this particular Facebook live feed, and we're going to come back. Um, on a live feed, just with a different, um, different audio, uh, audio setup, and it's only going to take me a minute to do it while while we're on regular audio. But anyway, right. a little bit later because well, tune in. You guys are tuned in now, but keep tuned in because a little bit later we're going to be talking about opening up a commercial martial arts studio. Some martial artists out there. 
will choose not to open a commercial martial arts studio, and that's fine. You don't have to. You can use your living room. You can teach out your garage, whatever. But some people choose to go the commercial route and open a brick and mortar dojo or dojang or kwan or whatever, right? Um, we just want to talk a little bit about what that entails. Um, because Sensei Wayne recently reopened, I guess, a new dojo. So we're going to talk about what that entails, looking for a suitable uh, location, marketing, business concerns, curriculum, teaching tips, that kind of thing. So if you are a dojo owner or a studio owner for martial arts, even for something related like yoga or something like that, call in. Give us some tips because there are newbies out there listening or watching right now that want to do the same thing and have no idea how to start. So later on, 347-677-0699, give us a call. Or if you have any questions regarding um, running a martial arts business or um, how it differs from other businesses such as Pilates or personal training or whatever, go ahead and give us a call too. All right. Well, what's been happening on, happening in your guys' neck of the woods, Bob? What's going well, on over there? Oh, oh, well, can, can I tell my story? <laughs> yes, please. Tell, I, tell us your I, story. I'm not oh going to get through this. Guys. Listen to this. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, as everybody knows, I drive Uber. Mm. Well, yesterday, I picked up this really nice lady coming off her shift at a hotel. Very right. nice hotel. Like a five-star hotel. You and I had uh, lunch real close to it when you were down here and we were visiting Hollywood. So okay. this girl tells me that one of her guests in the hotel, now she works graveyard. So this, uh-huh. this happened over her graveyard ship. So she tells me one of her guests, I guess he was feeling a little amorous and decided to order a lady of the evening. And for uh-huh. you people who don't understand what that is, that is a hooker. He decided he was going to order a prostitute, right? Amorous is not a word for prostitute because love has nothing to do with Okay, okay. Now, now, lady, I was going after, you smartass, I was going after lady of the evening. That is a word for prostitute. Amorous? Okay, let's cut to the chase. He was horny. Yeah. How's that? (laughs) God. Okay, so we had this horny out of town businessman that wanted to get lucky, but he found out he couldn't get so lucky, so he had to pay for it. So that means he was that means he was bisexual because every time he has sex he has to buy it, is that right? My God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So, so let me finish. Okay. So he orders this this prostitute, this call girl, this lady of the evening, whatever you want to call them. Now, right. this I guess they do their business. This lady or hooker decides <laughs> she's she's going to rob this guy. So okay, she, what? T- she, roll- she rolls him. <laughs> she takes all his money and runs out of the room as fast as she can. Wow. 
why okay. she just got paid for whatever whatever she did. Right, now, right. This, <laughs> this is where it gets a little funky. The woman left her cell phone behind in his room. <laughs> so much. So so much for not leaving a train. <laughs> right. So she goes to the front desk and insists that they let her back in his room to retrieve her property. Well, she's she's not a guest of the hotel, so they wouldn't do it. Okay, now let's 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 some some summarize this real quick. She's a hooker. <laughs> The oldest profession and is also still illegal in all of California. She just Mm -hmm. robbed this guy of several hundred dollars. So there's two things that she's done that is completely against the law. They would not let her back into his room. What does she she do? She calls the police. To retrieve her cell phone. The police show up. And this girl that I picked up yesterday is witness to all this. Because (laughs) she's working in the front desk. (laughs) They start asking questions. Why were you there? Why Why wouldn't he let you back in his room? And guess what they did? They arrested her. Oh, yeah. I know. I felt so. <laughs> this goes under world stupidest criminals. Now, this is sort of mm-hmm. in line with a drug deal going bad, and you calling the police. Right. Exactly. He took my drugs and my money. I want to arrest him. What the hell are we doing dealing drugs? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now. <laughs> I saw this funniest picture today. I saw a couple pictures today that were funny. One had a picture of Neosporin. Have you ever used Neosporin? It's for cuts and bruises and scrapes. Okay, it says for inside, for, for, for outside uh, infection. And then it had a, bo- a picture of Jack Daniels, and it said for inside infection. <laughs> I like that one. Now, there was a, a, another picture that I saw that I showed my wife, and I was laughing. It was a picture of a guy who did a motorcycle jump, and this guy was like 50 feet in the air. His front tire comes off the bike. And the oh, captain, man. All, all the captain reads was, <laughs> well, was well shit. That's all it says, well shit. <laughs> well shit. Well, I picture this the look on this guy's face. Did you guys ever see the movie Animal House? Yeah. Remember the horse? (laughs) That is the picture I picture this guy's face looking like. Is that horse? (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. So Man. that's my world's stupidest criminal story. Yeah, that's that that is the world's stupidest. That is. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I saw this one video uh, on YouTube or something like that. There was this guy he comes into a bank or, or a store or something. I, I know it was a store, and he has a sawed-off shotgun and points it at the 
cashier and whatever. You can't hear anything. I'm just assuming he says, give me all your freaking money. And the guy, like, puts stuff in a bag or whatever, hands in the bag. Dude puts down the gun. Cashier picks up the gun, points it right back at the guy. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw one. There was this show on called World's Dumb and Criminal. This guy Uh goes in to a a mini market, a gas station mini market, pulls out a knife, holds the, goes to hold the guy up. There is a uniformed police officer standing behind him <laughs> in line. <laughs> the, the police officer takes um, one step back and draws his weapon. <clears throat> karma. <laughs> That's all there is to it. It's karma. <laughs> yes. Idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, all right. Well, let's move on with the show. Who do you have for a birthday on your end there, Steve? Well, let me open. Oh, shoot. Oh, there it is. Let me open up my memo as well. Today, 4-9, we have uh, stunt woman and actress Melissa Tracy. Mm-hmm. On four four ten, we have uh, what what magazine does Richard Hackworth publish? Um, that uh, martial arts world. Yeah, martial arts world. I think I believe. Uh, it, Richard Hackworth, his birthday is oh, on four ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, on April fourteenth, we have Natalie Oksana Yarib. She is a big fan and a follower of the show. And also, we have Pam Soldoff. Masters Hall of Fame inductee and a and a listener of the show, even though she won't come on because she's too 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 well. You can't call it camera shy. She's too mic shy Mike to come shy. on the show. Mike shy. Uh-huh. And that's who I have now. Who do you have this week? Well, let's see here. I'm looking through my stuff too. <clears throat> see here. We've got. You already said Richard Hackworth. Uh, we've got Dale Tom. Uh, birthday is tomorrow. Dane Hendrickson, um, turning 30 years old. Three decades for Dane. I've known this. Like I shouldn't call him a kid anymore, but I did know him when he was a kid. I taught him at Morning Spite Academy decades ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, was, he was in middle school, and he's turning 30 on the 11th. Uh, we've also got Narissa Freeman on the 11th, uh, David Marquez on the 11th, Dan Vena, Hanshi Dan Vena on the 11th, <clears throat> um, and on the 12th, one of my Tai Chi students and assistant coaches, Susan Rhodes, um, Colin, I don't know if it's Colin or Natalie Fraser, which one is it, you two? They were two previous Wushu and Sanda students of mine, and, then, and their profile is Colin Natalie but that's the two of them. So I don't know whose birthday it is. Happy birthday, Colin or Natalie. Which one, which one is it? Um, and on the 13th, we've got Bob Sharone. Bob Sharone is a very skilled uh, master of fencing. And uh, he's going to be, I'm not going to tell everyone how old he's going to be, but his birthday is on the 13th. And anybody else? Yeah, wait a minute. I got, I got something to say. When you get What's to the fourteenth, remember before I get to Friday. Get to Friday, remember about not mentioning people's ages. <clears throat> yes, 
And on Friday, April 14th, Sifu Robert Deal right here on the mic right now is having his birthday. And he's going to be several (laughs) seconds. When is it? (laughs) The 14th. Next Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and also on Friday is a one hop kundo brother, Shannon Spahan. Spahan. I don't, I never really knew how to say your name, Shannon. Um, Latoya Bash already said Pam sold off. And we're already into next week, but next week we'll go ahead and introduce those when we get there. So, for everyone having a birthday this week, this tune's for you. Now, normally people just see me, don't see me dancing around in my chair, and I'm off of my monitor, so I don't know what's going on. So I'm all like dancing around in my chair, and I start moving my mouse around, and it pops up a preview of the monitor, and I'm like, oh crap, people can see me. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't you forget, it's like, remember what what was it? it? When did we do that live? Was it after Dragon Fest? We did that really fun feed on Sunday. It wasn't after Dragon Fest. Maybe it was during the holiday when you were down here. Maybe. Like, you mean at your we house? We did a show. And a, yeah, exactly. Sit yeah. on my couch. And we and all of a sudden, they can see you roll your eyes at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I got I to gotta remember that people can see me now because... I'm on my I'm on Facebook right now. I've got three windows open, and the only way I can see what my monitor, the only way I can see what you guys are seeing out there that are watching, is I have to just kind of hover my mouse over my encoding software, and uh, I can see what's going on. So anyway, I hovered my mouse over it, and I'm dancing around, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> anyway. oh man, happy birthday, everyone. All right, announcements. Um, let me pull up some announcements here real quick. You have an announcement. Well, while, while you're while you're doing that, I wanna I wanna press some some words I just saw. Whoa, whoa, what happened there? Okay, what? So Goldie Mac posted something that I want to share. Okay. Don't be impressed by money followers, degrees, or titles. Do be impressed by generosity, integrity, humility, and kindness. Right. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Isn't that cool? Now, I got a call from our buddy uh, Frank Dukes the other day. He wants to, uh, I didn't know he was in L.A. for about a month. Uh, Him and I are probably going to go out to dinner next week and uh, hang out a little bit with him and his wife because he just had a birthday on uh, Friday, or on Thursday, rather. cool. Cool. On. Yay. All right. Let me look uh 
look up some other events here. See if how do I Facebook being slow today. So while I'm looking for that, I just want to remind our listeners of our phone number three four seven 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 zero six nine. The phone lines don't open at six thirty. <laughs> they won't open until six thirty, and I'm not answering the phones until six thirty. So if you are calling and holding, you're going to have to hold for at least another ten to fifteen minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> And uh, what we're going to be talking about is opening a martial arts school. The, uh, the, what, what is going on in opening a martial arts school? Um, because a lot of people do think that all you got to do is rent a place to go, right? But a lot of, some of the stuff that people forget is, well, you're teaching for the public now. So anyway, we're going to be talking about that in about another 15 minutes. All right, so going on this week, we've got the AKT Sports Jiu-Jitsu Classic Tournament 2017 is going to be held on April 22nd, Um, and it's going to be held at... 1101 Wayne Street in Olympian, New York, 14760. And um, it says that it's uh, hosted by AKT Combat Academy. I'm not quite sure whether or not this address that I just gave is for AKT Combative Academy. But let's uh, get a little bit of information. Um, the third annual AKT Sport Jiu-Jitsu Classic Tournament is a U.S. Sport Jiu-Jitsu Association sanctioned event. USSJA rules allow for great competition amongst all martial arts styles. Please visit AKT, that's A-K and T as in Tom, combatives.com backslash tournament to download the complete tournament packet to include rules, divisions, hotel information, and so forth. So there you go. So that's AKT com. All right. Any, uh, any events on your end there since Wayne? Wayne? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can yeah. hear you. Do you have any events on your okay. end? Okay. Um, no. Uh, no. No events coming up that I know of other than, you know, us just having our, our open house yesterday, opening our new dojo. But other than that, that's, uh, that's the only thing that's, uh, What's that going on? Oh, wait a minute. We got in two weeks. We got the uh, the uh, Hall of Fame. United oh, States Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Yeah. What's the What's the date on that? The USA Martial Arts Hall the, of Fame over there. The twenty first, twenty second, and then uh, the twenty third. He's having a tournament on that day. Oh yeah, the, on Sunday. And what's the uh, What's the yeah. location again? If you could tell our listeners where in Ohio, wherever. It's at the uh, Marriott in uh, Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis. Okay, so it's going to be Indianapolis at the Marriott. Um, you know, I I know that there's a flyer out here somewhere. It's either on Tim Thomas's page or Lori Hallmark's page, but I'll find it and I'll put it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. So for anyone out there that um, 
was wondering what the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame is. It's it's considered one of the oldest uh, martial arts hall of fame in the United States. Um, <clears throat> there are others that count themselves the oldest, but you know, I knew about the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame like when it was first around. I mean, we're talking like almost 40 years ago, right, Wayne? Yeah. 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 About 40 years ago. And, uh, um, years ago. Yeah. And, uh, wow. And Jim Thomas has just been at it for a long time. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad to be a part of that. And pretty cool. I wish I could come out to Indianapolis. I just can't do it. Yeah. And Bob, I wish you guys could do it. I'm speaking for Bob right now because wouldn't that be fun, Bob, to go out to Indianapolis and hang out with Wayne? Yeah, it'd be a blast. <laughs> It would be a total blast, but we just can't do it. But we're going to the Fullerton one, though. So. Yes. Okay. So, um, who's who? Um, who are gonna who are gonna be some of the cool people that are gonna be teaching seminars over there in the, at the Indianapolis event? Um, I know me and uh, DJH are teaching a seminar uh, over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I really don't know who else is is doing seminars. I haven't really checked up on it. I've been so busy with the, you know, the opening and stuff. I haven't had time to really go through and look what's going on. Okay. Well, what I'm gonna, what what I think I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get a hold of Lori and get get some lists and stuff, and actually post who's gonna be teaching on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, so everybody knows what's gonna be going on in Indiana. I know that they have uh, part of a flyer. You know, one of the pages uh, shows the, uh, the people that are gonna be teaching the seminars mm-hmm. where they're from. Oh, right on. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I'll have to find that and uh, put that up on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. I'll see that later. All right. Well, I have no health news. <laughs> and Bob has no weird news or entertainment news. So let's do this. Let's uh, go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, opening up a martial arts school because uh, Sensei Wayne just uh, reopened so to speak, his um, his dojo, and we'll talk about that and what was different between now and the previous one he had. And we're just gonna talk about how to how to go through it. And if you have questions, if you want to teach martial arts commercially, you've never done it before. If you're in black belt and you've been given the blessing to open a dojo, don't know how, you know. Get a hold of those people. Get a hold of those people that you know that might feel that way, or if you feel that way, keep listening. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. 
Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every month. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest? or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk TV with Rosita Robert and special guest co-host and say Wayne Riley. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. And we are going to be talking about opening up a martial arts studio. Now let's, uh, let's talk to Cynthia Wayne here for a little bit because Cynthia Wayne, you recently had a grand opening for your new dojo. Can you tell us a little bit about the location of your new dojo and why you decided to open up again and all this other kind of stuff. Let's hear about this, man. Well, we, uh, we're located at uh, 411 North Main Street in Pickle, Ohio. Um, this time around, I, I, I went a different approach. Uh, my instructor is actually expanding, and I'm, uh, I'm going to be running the dojo for him. Uh-huh. So it's still mine. It's still mine, but it's everything's in his name. You know, the school's oh, in his I name. I mean, he's, so this time around, I went a different route, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I I enjoy it. Uh, I, I hadn't been teaching for a couple of years, and uh, it closed down due to health reasons, and got to feeling better. And I thought, you know what, it's time again to open up another school. And we just got together for lunch one day, and he, out of the blue, he just pops up and asks how would you like to open a school here in Xenia? He says, I'll, I'll back everything and you just run the school. Wow. So I was, that was a blessing, in, in, you know, for me really to, uh, to get something like that. 
because that's like that's like instant investor right there. And that was yeah, that was exactly. another thing that, uh, that was another thing that we wanted to talk about is like sometimes you know, some school owners will um, find investors <sighs> to go in yeah. to go on it, you know, that kind of thing and it's kinda of like the same uh, situation that you're in. But some people will find several investors. And um, there was a school out here that had several investors and they had an incredible school with a hot tub and you know, a full gym. Wow. They did a two story school. It was incredible. I was like, seriously? I mean that's a serious investment. You know? But um Oh yeah. That's pretty awesome. Now let's 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 kinda of talk about this a little bit because you know, there are uh, martial artists out there that you know have been black belts for maybe a few years and given the blessing to open up a dojo or a dojang or one or what have you, and um, have no idea where to start. So, what would you say, Sensei Wayne, would be a good place for them to start if they want to open up a martial arts? To studio? find a good location. Exactly. Definitely, exactly. definitely find a good location. Uh, you want you want a lot of foot traffic. You want a lot of car traffic. You want to be exposed. You know that people can see you. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, good good location is is really key. Mm-hmm. I remember one time, uh, Sifu Al Dacascos telling us that um, when you are looking at the demographics for a particular school, he said that you want to be. I think I could be wrong. You want to be within a mile of a McDonald's. <laughs> you know, because and it makes sense, right? At first, it didn't make sense. It's kind of like, how am I supposed to teach about health and fitness if, you know, if we're that close to a McDonald's? Right? <laughs> but it makes sense though, because McDonald's, you know, uses a specific, um, I guess, a specific formula, I guess, for um, figuring out their demographics in order to open a restaurant for optimum profit right so mm-hmm. i mean it would only make sense that you're within a mile or so from a mcdonald's or close to area elementary schools or middle schools or high schools that kind of thing <clears throat> so that makes sense good location like since wayne says good foot traffic car traffic or whatever uh one of my previous locations was right at the intersection of a busy street and a somewhat busy cross street um, right at the intersection. So whenever people were at a stoplight, they could see right through our picture windows and see people working out. And, you know, that was an amazing location because when we opened in that location, we had about mm, we had about 70 students when we moved to that location. And within about five months, we cleared the 110 mark. And it was wow. like, wow. Yeah. You know, and just because people could see it, you know, um, people would mm-hmm. stop and then they'd look in. And then, you know, I could see people pulling out their cell phones because our phone number was painted on the window and they'd tap it out. And I would look at one of the other coaches and say, hey, watch. OK, listen for the phone to ring. Oh, there's the phone. <laughs> 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 and it was it was awesome. So, yeah, good location. Um, now, does um, should the amount of um, should the amount of the rent be a, a factor that people should look at also? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you have to have, 
you know, a certain number of students to cover your bills. Right. You mm-hmm. know, um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely, uh, yeah, that's a, that, it has to be a factor, but it's kind of like, and maybe, maybe you can chime in on this too, Bob, because, you know, I, I know you've rented something, right? But, you know, oh, right. location, chances are that the location is going to be, you know, at a, at a premium price. But if you don't have the students, how are you going to pay that premium price? I mean, would you say that's kind of a double exactly. Bob? It is a double-edged sword, especially when you start uh, going into places like shopping centers, because now you've got right. triple net, you've got you've got uh, trash pickup fees, you've got maintenance fees on the property, uh, grooming fees for the landscaping. You've got all these fees to consider, and now all of a sudden you go from from wherever you were. Let's say you had uh, a fifty student. 50 students would, would, would break EU even. Now all of a sudden you need 75 or 100 students to break even as well. Now, right. going back also to the formula, we're, we're in the age of technology. Google formulas for discovering demographics like McDonald's. Burger King, when they go to open up someplace, they'll set somebody out in front of their new location for a couple of days with a clicker counting the number of cars that pass yep. by that location per hour. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You Definitely. know, that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a big investment, and there are a lot of schools that just can't make it because yeah. they, don't have, they don't have the foresight in, in, in what they need and how they think they're just they, – they go back to the old baseball movie, Field of Dreams. If they build it, if you build it, they will come. That's not the case. No, no, it's not. I do want to talk about that just a little bit because I've been there. And you know the story, Bob. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, it's like, folks, when you open a dojo, it doesn't really matter that it's got, like, huge picture windows and you've the equipment and stuff like that. It's not like a 24-hour fitness. When you see that sign that says 24-hour fitness or LA Fitness or whatever those other big chain gyms are, people know what that's for. I mean, that's branded as, okay, you can go in and you can get on a treadmill and lift weights, stuff like that. That's, you know, that's completely, that's already branded. I mean, you're 24-hour fitness, LA Fitness, what have you. Um, but if you've got, you know, just because you're a, a big dojo state of the art equipment unless you have a good marketing strategy or already have a reputation. Let me say that again, folks. Unless you have the students already from a previous like, for example, like a boys and girls club or community center, um, or what have you, um, and you or you already have a reputation in the area that you're in, no one's just gonna come there. I mean, there has to be a different different way to market. We're going to get to that in a little bit later because that's now, something. But you, you just brought up something, Rousey, I want to touch on because okay. you mentioned unless you have a following from Boys and Girls Club, Community Center, Parks and Rec, something like that. Now, if you want to open your own school, you have to remember these people are paying about $25 for like a six-week program. Exactly. Now they're going to have to go up to like 150 bucks a month. Right, depending on the studio, right? Exactly. And uh, mm-hmm. again, that go 
goes into marketing. And again, that uh, in a way it goes into marketing, but it also for the teacher, and this is something that I'm sure all of us right here, right now on this particular panel will agree on in order to be a teacher, you have to instill a sense of value for that art and a value for what they're, for what the students are learning. Because if the students don't value what you teach them, and if they're not enjoying it, having fun, and the benefits, then they're not going to be all that keen about paying an extra, in some cases, $100 more a month than what they were paying, right? Right. Um, That's true. But you also have to figure, even if you do instill that, some people are just are not going to be able to afford it, and you're going to figure you're probably going to lose about 25% of your student body at that point. Exactly. Exactly. And then you need to make that decision. Do I do a spending scale fee? You you know, based on income and all that other kind of stuff. Um, and because there are several schools here in Seattle that do that for low income people. They have to uh, actually, I, I hate to put it this way, but they kind of have to apply for the sliding scale uh, based on their situation and income and stuff. For example, if you've got to be serving a single mom with only one job or something like that, but the kids really, 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 really want to do martial arts and raise these kids, you know, that's something that this school does. They, they, they have um, donations coming from other students that help be, in a way, a, 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 the rest of the tuition that a fighting scale student couldn't pay, you see what I'm saying? So you're getting the same amount of tuition, but it's the donations that help pay for it. So definitely right. that, um, you know, to do something scale or to just refuse that. Um, and again, now, now a- I have something to say. Now that you mentioned that, Rusty, it, it actually that's a good point because Wayne was, you know, we have all been talking about the demographics. Part of right. the demographics is going to be income. Mm-hmm. Now, will you want to put a school in an inner city location? Probably not. Even if right. you have the foot traffic, you may not get the students you need, and that needs to be considered. But at the same time, you do want to put a sliding scale for the kids who really need the, who really need the study, who really need the discipline, who really want it but cannot afford it, have a single mom, single dad, low income, whatever. Right. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I've, 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 there are a couple of people out here that are in the inner city. What we would call them. And they're right. doing okay. But, you know, and some people would say, well, it depends on the teacher, right? It, it does. You know, in, in some cases, I'm not saying that just because you're in the inner city that the it has to be, you know, Latino or African American or you know, minority or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. It all depends on the situation. If, if, if the kid, if the kids attending that class, if they can handle the kids, then great. However, I, I, I don't want to make that sound like I think that. The inner city has all you know, games for one person. I'm not saying that at all. I just want to make that no. clear. Um, and, but all of us want to make that clear. It's just that I guess my point is is that a lot of people shy away from the inner city. And that's 
crap. You know, a lot of kids would want to do martial arts. They don't have anything else to do. You know? I mean, you know, I lived on Beacon Hill at the time out here in Seattle for Beacon Hill. It was it wasn't really the hood, but it was like melting pot, you know, melting pot USA in Seattle. I mean, you had Indian people, you had Native Americans, you had Latino, you had Filipino, Chinese, Japanese, you know, uh, at the time also in the late 70s and early 80s, we had a big influx of uh, Europeans coming in. And it was just a big melting pot. And the high school I went to was considered to be one of the tough ones. <laughs> you know, back then it was Cleveland South, Cleveland South and Rainer Beach were considered the tough schools or whatever. And I went to Cleveland. Um, but that particular neighborhood needed something like that. And guess what? Around 1978, my sensei came into the neighborhood, started teaching karate, and boom, his class blew up. It blew up because we kids needed something to do other than going around in the hellions and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> now, one of our long time, one of our uh, long time learners, Janie, uh, she says our school is looking for a new location because we are outgrowing our dojang. Right on, Janie. I'm glad to hear that that you guys are outgrowing it. I like to hear that. Um, I suggested somewhere around our mall, which there are schools close by, plus, and this is a good one, plus new apartment complexes. That's probably a good good place to open up. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah. Let's see. We got Rick Bear watching us live here on Facebook Live. Um, and, <laughs> and my friend Steve Lilligan, he says, so, I click on Dynamic Joe Talk Radio and I hear a story about a hooker. What's happening? Where am I? Steve, you should know by now that the first half hour is telling stories of what's going on, going on Burbank and Seattle and in the area where our guest co-hosts are and stuff like that. So remember that because a lot of the fun stuff happens to Sifu Bob. (laughs) All right. Um, all right, so if anyone wants to give us a call, if you have questions regarding opening up a martial arts studio, um, concerns or tips, if you're an experienced instructor, our phone number is 347 You know, I was on mute, Rusty. This, this was funny. I remember when, when Wayne first started as a guest co-host years ago, uh-huh. and we were talking about booze or something. He wanted to run an intervention. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think we were talking about booze for a whole, like, you know, 50 minutes or something like that. Right. <laughs> but, oh, but, you know, it's always so fun to have Wayne on as a guest co-host. Speaking of which, Kathy can't join us today. Um, has to work. So she's like... I I thought all the I thought all the shows were like at eleven. I'm like, no, they were at eleven last month because I had to do stuff all last month during the evening. Oh, dang! Well, I kept it. Well, once a month, we're guaranteed Kathy Long's attendance. So until then, it's gonna be me, Bob, and sometimes Wayne, sometimes Patrick McDaniel, and, and Tony. So, 
Tony. Oh, speaking of which, Tony has an announcement. He says he's uh, going to be teaching a seminar in New York. When, Tony? <laughs> I love how he's just, I'm teaching a seminar in New York. Or maybe that's a might. I think he said he might be. You know, oh, I want to put that out there, too. Okay, I've got some I've got some friends out in New York, and I've been to New York ever. It's you know some people put Spain and Australia and the Bahamas and stuff down on their bucket list. I want New York to be on my bucket list. So if there's anyone in New York that wants to host me for a seminar, one day seminar on Tai Chi, Tai Chi applications, or how to make a functional bullwhip out of household materials. Crack it, stuff like that. Hit me up. I'd love to come visit you in New York. Boom, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta market myself somehow, right? I want to go to New York. Because <laughs> <laughs> I figure if I'm going to go, you know, I really wanted to go to the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame when it was over there. Um, couldn't do it, couldn't afford it. You know, and if, I figure if I'm going to go down there, I might as well do something other than, you know, go to a banquet, right? <laughs> so, New York, any East Coasties out there? Hit me up. Hit me up. Okay. <clears throat> so, so we've got, let's, so if you found a studio, found a suitable location, price is right. The space works for you, and there isn't, like, poles all over the place. Because <laughs> I remember looking at a spot that had, like, pillars all over the place. I'm like, mm, not going to work for Wushu. <laughs> no, oh, my God. Or low, or, yeah, that's a good thing. Keep that in mind about low ceilings. How high do you work with weapons? Do you work, you know, yeah. three-sectional staff where you need high ceilings, spears, bows, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they have a bunch of pillars? holding the roof up that won't work for your application. All those things need to be considered because you don't want to get in a place that's just not going to work. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. It, it, I don't know if you uh, dealt with this when you were looking for a space. Every space that I looked that was large enough and open enough had drop ceiling, really ceiling. So, you know, we, we, we were in a space for a, uh, a year and a half. Uh, in a different area of town, and we need to take our wushu outside the park, right outside the door, in order to work on spear, which meant that weapons training was seasonal. <laughs> right. You Wait, know, what, it's was that, what about what about that industrial place you had? Because I know you worked out, out outside as well, didn't you? Yeah, that was uh, that was the place. That was, that was well, okay. I thought so. That was the place, and the park was right outside. But on the other hand, there was uh, we were also at at a weird intersection where um, the Burlington Northern would cross because it was major crossing for uh, railroads, the railroad, um, and it was called Airport Way, close to the uh, um, commercial, not uh, not, stack, but it was the Boeing Field, right? And um, it was a fixed spot. However, however. It was on the second floor, two, two, uh, 2,500 square feet. It was perfect. Um, but it was on the second floor, and there was this, an antique shop right underneath us. 
antique <laughs> shop. I kid you not. So every time we jump, right, stuff downstairs, especially you know, like the big, heavy mirrors and stuff, would start shaking that we're hanging on. And I would, then the phone would ring. It would be the guy downstairs. What the hell are you doing up there? And I'm like, seriously, <laughs> you knew what was going up here. I asked the landlord, are you sure you want us up here? Because we're going to be jumping. You say there's going to be an antique thing down there. Oh, they said it was okay. I'm like, what did they think we were going to do? Just stand around? <laughs> <laughs> so we had to wait until 6 p.m. before we could do any jumping. What? Really? That didn't work at all. So I, I wanted to come back to West Seattle. We moved out of Georgetown, didn't want that anymore. And it, it and we lost half our students. You know, I don't I don't care what anybody says. Even if you move a block, you're gonna lose half your people because some people just don't like yeah. They just don't like yeah. it. You know. Like I said, it could be half a block. Some people will just use that as an excuse to quit. Oh well they leave. What? Now, Wayne, how how close is your new school from your old location? Um, from where, I, where my old school used to be? Uh-huh. Um, it's about seven miles. Oh, right you, are, are you going to be able to gain any of your old student body back? Well, I've been trying to contact them and uh, and see, what, see what's going on, see where they're at. Um, but uh, some of them have changed numbers and different things. So I haven't been able to get a hold of a lot of them, but uh, mm-hmm. the ones that I have gotten a hold of, they're, they're looking forward to it. Good. 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 Let's, um, let's talk about um, what people teach in their, uh, in their dojo. So we've got a great space um, investor or investors. If you need them. Um, well, actually let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about investors. Um, now, you were blessed to already have your instructor volunteer to invest in the space that you're teaching in right now. Uh, right. And how, gosh, what a blessing, man. What a blessing. Because, yeah. you know. I mean, it was it, it was unreal. I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I mean, I was just speechless. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Other than, yes, sure, I'll teach it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, and bring them up like twice a year, you know, that kind of thing. Um, or however, mm-hmm. long, however often. You um, but, you know, I, I've never had to look for investors. So if you are a martial arts instructor out there and you're watching the movie and you've had to gain investors from your particular dojo, give us a call before seven. Six seven seven zero six nine nine. We want to hear from you about you know, what did you have to do to do that, you know? And by investors, I meant uh, that also counts, you know, bank stuff, okay? Um, but more so, I'm talking about you know private companies or people that provide the funding to get you up and running. So anyway, we'll, we want to hear from you. Six seven 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 zero six nine. Um, I remember when uh, Cheryl and I opened our first studio, we had, for me, actually, I had only $500 in savings. And we wanted a 2,000 square foot space. 
was the first commercial studio. No, I, I take that back. It was the first uh, commercial studio that her opened as a partnership. I had already opened um, a karate dojo as a sole proprietorship. And uh, that was relatively easy. But when it came to you know, higher rent, we had no investors. But 500 bucks in my pocket. Um, so we had to negotiate. Now, was that something that you had to do? Did you negotiate yeah. Okay. Yeah, we negotiated with the guy to get uh, some extra time, you know, to get the because the place was it was an old tattoo parlor, and oh. uh, and they had these little cubbies built all inside of there that we had to tear down and, and uh-huh. do a lot of work to. And I was fortunate enough because I know how to do all that stuff. I've done it for years. The guy actually hired me to do all the painting, uh, tear everything out, get everything ready. So, you know, oh, cool. we, I mean, I, yeah, so we had him to, to just give us that, you know, to, mm-hmm. to do and make a little money doing it. And um, uh, worked out really good. Worked out really good that way. Uh, it that- meant less money that we had to actually put up, you know, yeah. to uh, – to reconfigure everything, you know, because most people are that they're responsible for that. Yeah. You know, on their own. You know, you go and rent a place. You know, if you're going to be doing any kind of reno- renovating, get it, it's on you. It's on your dollar. Yeah. But uh, we got lucky um, because the pay- place was like a fluorescent green. Oh. Inside with black <laughs> paint splattered all over the walls, the ceiling tiles, everything. Oh, it sounds so we like had a- we had a, a mess for like three weeks. Wow. Of, uh, of of painting and just constant painting just to cover up this stuff. Yeah, I'll bet. It was atrocious. <laughs> is there such a thing as black primer <laughs> or is it always gray? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so we let's uh so let's uh kind of put this into perspective here viewers and listeners, okay? Uh let's say you found a, a perfect place that suits your needs high enough ceilings and stuff like that. It's a, it's a great price for you. Um, now you get to, you get to like uh, welcome some new students and stuff like that. And you have something to teach. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about curriculum. Okay. Because here comes, here comes that term, you guys, McDojo's. Dun, dun, dun. McDojo, McDojo. McDojo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> McDojo, and you know, and I, I I hate using that word, but it's kind of like, you know, the I guess the question I'm posing is, do you teach the art in its purest form, the way that you were taught it, with, you know, gung ho blood blood and guts and stuff like that, um, and gain, you know, only a a fraction of the students that you could gain that are, you know, because they're attracted to that blood and guts and glory and stuff like that. Or do you change your curriculum a little bit to kind of um, attract the mainstream? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Let's start with Bob. Well, see, Rusty, it depends. It depends on if you've been, if you, if you have been accustomed, come accustomed to eating or not. <laughs> Where's my rinse Where's my rinse I mean, if if you haven't become accustomed to eating, keep it in its purest form with no adaptation, 
for the people who are not going to be wanting the blood and guts. Uh, for for example, I know this guy. He's actually a, a famous actor. He's he's on uh, 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 Two Broke Girls. Mm-hmm. The little Asian guy that owns the diner. He lives right behind me. Well, he's been, he was Goju for like eight years. Uh-huh. But would not spar. He hated the sparring aspect of it. Didn't like to hit people. Didn't like to get hit. Okay. That's that's a part of it, though. Right. You know, sparring, you're going to get hit. Do you? Do you say, okay, you, you never have to spar. Right. You know, there are going to be there are going to be some some adaptations needed to to be able to to survive as a as a full blown brick and mortar school. That's a that's a good point. Sensei Wayne, what are your thoughts on that? What was the question again? The question is, you know, you found a, uh, let's say someone finds a great place um, that mm-hmm. suits their needs, and they've got the perfect setup. They're all done. They're open for business. The question is, do you teach the art in its purest form and only attract a fraction of the people that you could hope to attract? Um, or do you change your curriculum a little bit to attract more of the mainstream? Well, what we do, we teach. Well, what happened? He's breaking up. Bob, do you hear Wayne? I can't hear what he's breaking up to. Bob? Do you hear Wayne? Oh, you hear Wayne? he's breaking up really he's bad. breaking up really bad. Yeah. Wayne, you're breaking up really bad. Are you in uh, Wi-Fi zone there? <laughs> Can't hear you, buddy. Can't hear Wayne. It, it almost sounds like he went outside of Internet range. Hold on, Wayne. We can't hear you. Hold on. Let's uh, Let's give it a second. <clears throat> huh. Okay, let's try that again. His so, call just his call just dropped. Oh, okay. Then he did he did go outside of uh range or whatever. So we're gonna wait for Sensei Wayne to call us back because I was like, Oh, I wanna know what he does. Oh, and he's gone. <laughs> I'm like, What happened? <laughs> okay, right. with that being said, with, with uh, Wayne, Wayne gone, of course, I was going to ask him as well. How much? Because you know, people r- really risk a lot when they open a school. Right. How right. much do you recommend having in the bank, not dollar wise, but to cover rent and that sort of thing in the bank when you open a school? I look at it as the as the same as owning a house, right? I initially was told that you want at least three or four months ahead, right, Um, to pay for mortgage. Now, you know, when it came to my house, my previous house, not not the house I'm living in now, but my previous house, when we sold the previous house, I had about, I don't know, like about almost like 40, 40K in my savings account just from the, just from the proceeds from the sale of the house. And I, I gave some to my mom to, to kind of put in her, in her little nest egg, that kind of thing. And I just let that sit in my savings account in the event something went belly up. Well, about eight months later, something did go belly up, and I had to use that 
for almost almost a year to pay the mortgage. And thank goodness, right? <laughs> but unfortunately, I you know I had to do it anyway. But um, um, I was I was I was suggested about two to three months of rent payment sitting as a nest egg. Now, if you're a new business owner, you're not going to have that just sitting at the bank unless you quit your day job, <laughs> right? Because if you're going to open a commercial studio, it's a it's a it's a it's a business now, right? Whether or not it's a whether or not it's a full time business or part time business in the evening, and you know, I know a lot of people that work during the day and night. That's what I do. Oh, Sensei Wayne, your your mic is live now, by the way. Um, you know, and um, I've had some I've had some people, you know, look down their noses at other people that only keep part time. They make it sound like well, if you're not doing it full time, you might as well not do it at all. You know, not in those words, but it's kind of like, you know, they almost it almost makes it sound like people that keep part time are less than or less experienced, or less than um, knowledgeable about how business works and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you can be the most charismatic person in the world that attracts students and stuff like that, but, you know, just because you're going full-time doesn't, doesn't mean much. Doesn't it doesn't really mean that you're better than anybody else. That's that's the way I look at it, and that's the way that a lot of other people look at it. Is it's all about the content, and that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about what you're teaching, you know, in your school. It's all about the content. All right. So Sensei Wayne is up, and uh, can you hear us, Sensei Wayne? Yes, I can hear you guys great now. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can hear you now. All right, Good so deal. you left off. You left off at well, what we do, and then you dropped off. So okay. tell us what, what we do. Like. Is we teach we teach it the, the art in the purest form. Uh, you know, we want to keep everything exact. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't like making a lot of changes. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the way you train, yeah, um, you know, you can you can still do your your you know everything correct and traditional and everything. But when it comes to you know other things like exercises and different things like that. You know, right. make your changes. Make your changes on what what you know is going to appeal to your students. Mm-hmm. You know, if you that's something that's that's you know not not very interesting, you're not going to keep the students. Right. You know, so you want to, you want to keep it interesting for them. Um, so sometimes change is necessary. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to, just to keep the the student retention. Exactly. I would agree. I would agree. As 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 Bob said, you know, are you accustomed to eating? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. I mean <laughs> oh man. I remember we were eating we were doing the top ramen hundred and one ways when we first opened because every cent went back into the dojo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You know <laughs> hot dog goulash and just you know <laughs> just hot like, dog goulash. Yeah, goulash with hot dogs in it, and yeah, it was it was crazy. And top ramen, and yeah, we we had a lot of sto- sodium that first couple of years when we first opened. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a it was a culture shock because I decided to go in full time and I quit a cookie 
a, a cushy corporate job that had benefits, mm-hmm. perks, and bonuses and stuff like that. And I said, well, let's take the plunge. And I quit that job, and all of a sudden, it's 101 ways to do top ramen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, crap, you know? Um, now, uh, Sensei Wayne, is your um, – uh, I'm going to write this down really quick because I want to share this with our listeners. Your dojo, again, is located where? It's located at 411 North Main Street in Pickwell, Ohio. Pickwell? Pickwell. Pickwell. P-I-Q-U-A. Pickwell. Oh, P-I-Q-U-A. Pickwell. Pickwell. I'm sorry, city again? That's the city, Piqua, Ohio. Ohio, okay. Got it. All right. And the name of your dojo? It's Doug Yates Karate. Doug Yates Karate. Day. So anyone in Piqua, Ohio, go check out Doug Yates Karate and Elm Rusty and Bob Sanja. <laughs> So yeah, I, I'll have to. We'll have to with you there in the in that. I I like to teach, um, what I teach here in its purest form. So as far as Tai Chi is concerned, the the Wushu and the uh, Chan Fa Wan Kajikambo Kali mix that we do. Um, and uh, on a sec, but in in terms of how I teach it. It is to appeal to the people that have never done martial arts before. Um, now, Robert, right. Bob says that um, Mike's calling in to talk about museum productions. He says seven minutes. Okay. Go ahead and take that call, Bob. Um, uh, is he? Tell him to call us, Bob. <laughs> 709. He he is. I gave him the number. He's going to call in about seven minutes. Oh, okay. And he's from an eight one eight number too, right? Correct. Okay. Well, that'll be great. It'll be it'll be good to hear about museum productions. That'll be cool. Now, in the meantime, though, if anyone has any advice for newbies opening up a martial arts studio, give us a call three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Please please press one if you'd like to talk to us live. Otherwise, we're just going to let your mind. So our phone number is four seven six seven seven six nine nine. Press one to talk live with me and Bob and Wayne. All right. Um, now business concerns. Let's start with that real quick. I mean, you know. With your previous dojo, Wayne, and the dojo now, do you have any concerns about, uh, well, business concerns, like what, taxes, (laughs) filling out the taxes? Do you hire an accountant or not? Do you do it yourself or not? Uh, What are are some things that are going to be added in regards to the business? You're breaking up really bad on my end. I don't know if it's my phone or just a... let me um, let me mute Bob for a second here because there was a lot of background noise. So, um, do you have any business concerns in in uh, regards to your school? 
Um, yeah, getting the students in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, that'll do it. That'll do it. It can go well, but it doesn't go well without the students. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've done a we've done a couple of other different different things that uh, that a lot of schools don't do. We joined the uh, Chamber of Commerce, oh, and with yeah, the Chamber yeah. of Commerce, you know, you get you get get your you get a ribbon cutting, and uh, you know, usually there's an article in the newspaper, you know, which is always good publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, I kind of got turned around on where I was going with that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you got, I mean, you've got a lot of things. You've got taxes you got to worry about, you know, you got to save every receipt. Um, right. I mean, it's, it's just a lot of, a lot of different things, you know, going on that, uh, that you really need to, to, to be concerned about, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, your, your power, you know, your, your electricity and stuff, you know, how are you going to make that payment? You know, you got to make that payment somehow. Um, so, you know, it, with us, it was good that we got a couple months to, uh, to, uh, build up the business. Um, you know, we don't actually start paying rent until June. Uh, oh, it turned out really good. So yeah, we got a, got a really nice break. Um, but, uh, um, like I said, taxes, uh, utilities, um, you know, your rent, you know, if you don't have the students, if you're not teaching a good quality, you know, uh, program, you're not going to have the students, you're not going to have the funds, you're not going to, you know, be able to keep, stay open for very long. Yeah. So, yeah, there's always concerns, you know, when you when you open a dojo, especially, you know, when it comes to the finances and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And in this case, since you have an investor um, or if you have investors, you know, I know one of my worries would be, you know, if I had investors – is how long is it going to take before I get the amount of students to show a return on that investment, on the initial investment? Right. You know, because I don't want the investor thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I've paid all this money and that's coming out of it, right? Right, um, right. That sometimes happens. Uh, as sucky as it might be, it sometimes happens. Um, mm-hmm. Well, well, see, that's actually a good segue. Let's talk about revenue streams. Now, I'm now Michael's called in, so I'm going to bring him on. We're going to talk okay. about museum productions, what he can do for the artists, and the okay. cost about doing their own videos, whether it be documentaries, instructional, interviews, and what mm-hmm. have you. Okay. And Mike, Michael, I just brought your uh, mic live. So tell us oh, a little great, bit about great. museum productions. Hey guys, how you guys doing? First of all, hey Michael, how are you well. doing? Awesome. Nice to see you guys. Excellent, excellent. Well, let me talk about museum productions, and I, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, museum cool. productions. Um, okay. What we're doing is this is the media branch of the museum, and mm-hmm. um, you know we found a, a need. And uh, a need was, uh, you know, years ago, um, Joe Jennings produced a company called Panther Productions. Right. And right. Uh, they did yeah, videotapes. Yeah. And he was the first, one of the first major ones to do oh. tons of videotapes. And he had all these different instructors. And, uh, you know, he did very well off then. All these instructors got royalties and everything. And it was a right. real good business to have. 
And uh, that has been long gone. He sold it years ago. And uh, there is still a need out there for uh, inst- instructional videos. So that's what the museum production is doing. It's doing uh, a couple things, fourfold. Uh, one of it is doing documentaries. So we're out there doing documentaries about different arts, the history of the art, and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Second thing is we're doing interviews, just interviews that people talk about their history or uh, films or how to do films and motion pictures and independent films. We just did one with Art Camacho. And then the third one is instructional videos, you know, uh, how to teach, how to, how to uh, you know, about uh, doing Kali and all that. We just did one with Felix Royles. We did three of them, four of them with him. And then the, the fourth one is how-to, different how-to stuff, you know, kind of a mix, a mixture of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what this does is uh, we are opening this up to the public and saying, look, um, we know there's uh, a lot of your students and they may want to learn how to do instructional videos, you know, do a form or do some stick fighting. And, and you know, producing a video is, is not that easy. It's a hard it job. Sound good. It doesn't sound good. Oh, yeah. Good. And, and people pay thousands and thousands for it to be done. You know, mm-hmm. I, I talked, I'm not going to mention the person's name, but I just talked to someone who spent, you know, almost 6000 to do his instructional video and the guy kept oh, all the the property of the video. You know what I mean? What? So okay. uh-huh. it, it wasn't a good deal. So when I said, okay, let's do something that we can work with the public and make this a win-win for everybody. So what we decided okay. to do is, is one of them is instructional videos. Um, hmm. We set it up. We shoot it here usually at the museum or we can go to another location. And we mm-hmm. shoot the entire video, everything. We, we write, work the script with them. We, we're the, I'm the producer, and we bring in the, the guy who does the Black Belt magazine covers. He shoots it. And then oh, after wow. we shoot it, um, we edit it. We do all the editing for it. And then we do uh, the cover. We actually shoot the DVD cover right there. And then uh, wow. we'll fix it up. We'll design their cover. And then we'll put them on Amazon and literally create an account for them. And uh, that way they can make money right away. And uh, we do that whole thing for $1,500, which is nothing. And we don't, that's it. We don't take any royalties. The property goes in the hands of the person, you know, the, the owner of the, the, the instructor, and they make all the money right away on Amazon. So they can sell it, make duplicates, you know, we can hook them up with the duplication company that can produce it for like 2 or $3 or even less. Uh, each DVD, wow. and they could take it on their seminars and take it to their workshops, and that way they can sell. You know, I talked to Cynthia Rothrock, and we're doing one for Cynthia, and when she uh-huh. goes to the different seminars, she sells just, you know, her autographs and stuff like that, and I said, well, wouldn't it be nice to have a DVD, you know, whatever you want to teach or whatever you want to do, that way they can remember everything they learned, and she right. says, oh, that's a great idea. And so that's what we're doing for Cynthia. And that way she could take it on the road and make as many copies as she wants. And it's a win-win for her, you know, because she's now going to make extra money and people are going to remember what they learned and all that. So we're offering that up to the public. And uh, we we just started with Felix Royles and Art Camacho and a couple other people. And we're doing this every week now. So it's been a a nice situation and all the funds go to help the museum. So in a nutshell, that's what it's about. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Of course, let's make sure they also understand that's fifteen hundred dollars per video. Yeah, that's right. not, per video. You can't do a right. you can't do a series of six for fifteen hundred bucks. It's per video. Right. Yeah, per video. You know, which is right. it's just very fair, and we do it all. We do everything. 
you know, all the editing, everything we do it all in, in less than two weeks and you're ready to go and right away you can start making money on Amazon. We set it up on there because, again, these things are very costly and, and uh, to get it done. And uh, we think, you know, we got all the equipment here. Let's help the museum. Let's help everybody out. That helps the museum out, you know, and it's a win-win for everybody. And that way they can get their videos done, you know, or show new kids how to do stuff and, you know, right stick biting whatever so it's like like when you do the whip you can show people here's how to do a whip and when you do a seminar you can say okay here's everything you learned you know Mm -hmm. and more on the dvd that way they can use it and practice with it you win because you're making extra money you know for selling it they win because they can remember everything that you taught them Mm -hmm. so it's a nice win-win and everybody you know gets back their money very quickly you know so, you know, I think it's a nice thing to start, and it's been uh, very successful so far, so I'm very happy for that. That you know, oh, that and one is... more thing that, that Michael hadn't brought up, that 1500 is a one-time fee. The museum does not get royalties off their videos. That's correct. That's correct. It's the property goes of that person, not the museum, and we don't get any royalties or nothing. That's it. 15 pays for everything. The lights, the setup, the producing, the editing, the cover shoots, everything. We do it all. Do all the artwork for them. So it looks wow. very professional. And uh, they get a nice DVD out of it. And it's kind of cool, you know? It's kind of cool. Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah, we're, we're just releasing the museum, cool. the museum tour, um, which starts. It'll be out at the end of this week. And uh, that's our first production. And it's a tour of the museum. I personally give a tour. It's actually an hour and 10 minute long video, a DVD. And uh, uh-huh. this way people can learn it. It's uh, 1995. And then people from all over the world can buy the DVD, learn all the ins and outs of the museum and support the museum as well. So it's kind of cool. That'll be out at the end of the week. Wow. That's, that's the, that is so cool. And wow, that, that's a great service. I, I need to come up with 1500 bucks and fly down there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we can work with anybody, you know, if they want to put it on a little, give us a little cash to get things going. And then once they put it on Amazon and make some money off and then pay the rest of it, you know, oh, and, right. uh, but, but it's a, it's a good way, you know, if you have a martial arts school and people want to learn some forms or different things, you say, look, here's a DVD and you can remember, here's all the things for white belt that we teach. Yeah. And that way you can practice it on your own as well. So, you know, it's a little extra stuff that you can have at your school it's not doesn't cost a lot, and you can produce and make some money off it, and the kids benefit by learning all that stuff. Right, right. That's so really cool. cool. So, um, do they just contact people? Contact you at the museum to uh, exactly. get started. Yeah, yeah. That's just great. give us a call at the museum, and we'll work out the details. Sounds great. So you got that, listeners and viewers? The Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Google, Google it up, talk to Michael if you want to do a video. Um, they do all the marketing. They'll, they'll do all the shooting, the pre-production, post-production, cover art, everything. Put it on Amazon for you. Get some residual income, I guess, or passive. Would, would that be called passive income? I don't know how that works. But um, And they'll do it all for you, 1500 bucks. That's it, $1,500 as opposed to, you know, Paying what six thousand dollars someone else did. Um, oh yeah, and they'll worry about and, the royalties and all that other stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've even had, I've even known people that have written books that pay upwards of like 10 K. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, 10, 15 K and it's really the publisher kept the money. You went, what? What's going on? So <laughs> awesome. So yay. Um, um, I know that you've already, you've already had, um, was it Felix that came out and did filming already? Felix Royalist? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, we that? just shot Felix. We shot videos of doing Kali. That's so cool. Anybody anybody else so far? Oh, we shot Art Camacho already. We just shot a th- three-part series of Art Camacho on wow. uh, his life and then uh, how to do independent films and then another one on stunt fighting. Oh, cool. So we're working on that. And our next one coming up is um, we're going to well-known school owners. This may have to do with what you were talking about and talking to them and getting interviews of what worked for them, you know, what helped their school, what's, what, what's the, what failures, what were positives, what helped them become a, a good, uh, have, a, have a successful school. And we're mm-hmm. going to interview a lot of different martial arts instructors across the world and uh, get them on tape and have a DVD all about running a school and the ins and outs and what to look for and what to pay attention and what are the pitfalls. And that that's in the works already. So that's going to be a nice DVD. A whole series of uh, school ownership is going to come out. So that's going to be nice. Really cool. That's, that's going to be cool. Uh, basically a, a library of, of information about stuff like that. Very Excellent cool. Excellent resources, all the stuff. So that's going to be fun. Awesome. So, uh, Wayne, do you have any questions for Michael in regards to um, the uh, museum productions or anything else at the museum? Uh, no, not really. What about you, Bob? Bob. I, I was muted. But, uh, no, you know, also Michael has also come out with his own series, a long series of uh, monkey kung fu DVDs. Uh, what are you up to now, Michael? 18? Uh, yeah, this is 18. We have another going up to 25. So we're going to wow. have a 25 DVDs on Monkey Kung Fu. And it's doing very well for us. You know, um, Monkey Kung Fu, most people don't know it. I'm the last one in America that does it. So it's a hard sell, but we're doing quite well off it. So I'm very happy about it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, not very many people, you know, have, have heard about it. Um, but I think it'd be, it's been like, what, at least a couple of decades since anything's been out about oh, yeah. monkey Fu and an, and, 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 and an instructional. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's gonna be, that's going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And where do, and, you know, where do they, they get that through uh, Amazon? How, how does that? Well, we set them up an account on Amazon, and that way we can upload it. We'll show them how to upload it, and that way they can make money right away. It'll go to their account and everything. But we'll set them up. We'll, you know, we'll show them how it's done and literally walk them through it and set it up. And that way, uh, if they don't know how to do it, we'll get them situated so they can make money very quickly, uh-huh. you know. Well, what about, what about, uh, what about your, your video, how, your series? How do people get to your series? Of Monkey Kung Fu. Monkey Kung Fu, we're all on Amazon. It's completely on Amazon. Yeah. Got it. Uh, Got it. Museum Productions, uh, the museum tour will be both on Amazon and on the museum site very soon. And that way they can order it either way. 
Oh, cool. Awesome. You hear that, folks? Look it up on Amazon. <laughs> Museum Productions, the, uh, uh, a branch, I guess, a branch of the Martial Arts System Museum. Right on. Yeah. Uh, That's so cool. Well, definitely. You might be hearing from me in the next few months. <laughs> so, yay. So, um, any other any other things that you want to uh, ask Michael about, Bob? No, that's why I wanted to bring him on. I wanted to push push Museum Productions a little bit. Cool. And uh, let everybody know about it. Awesome. Oh, did you mention about Dragon Fest? Oh, let's not do that. yet. Tell us about Dragon Fest. Tell us about us. Tell us about it. <laughs> Dragon Fest, uh, it's coming up again. I'm so excited. Uh, August um, 5th, right? August 5th and 6th. Correct. August 5th, it'll be at the Marriott uh, Burbank Convention Center. Um, You know, we've taken it over since Gerald Kimura, and this is our, what, our fourth year, I think? Fourth year, yeah. And we have grown, doubled almost every year, and this year we're doubled again, 8,000 square feet. And uh, we have tons of booths. And uh, we're going to have some, you know, a lot of stuff going on at this event. Uh, you know, we're happy that Westways Magazine is featuring us, the Dragon mm-hmm. Fest uh, coming up, and we're going to quadruple the amount of people because of that uh, um, ad in there, you know, them doing a feature on us. And wow. uh, so it's going to be so exciting, you know. Um, and, and I stress this to so many people that, you, you know, if you've been to Dragon Fest before, uh, come again because who knows when you may not see that person ever again. You know, uh, you know Richard Bastille just passed away, and you know we just saw him two months ago. Yeah. So um, to have Dragon Fest is like a reunion. You get to see these guys from years ago, Takaboda, all those guys, Doug Wong, everybody's there, and it's a nice reunion, and it's a way to see all the new products and films and cultural performances. And that'll be August 5th. And then August 6th, we're having like a VIP party at the museum the next day. So people can see the museum, hang out with the celebrities, and that'll be a blast. So they can make a whole weekend out of it rather than just one day. They can stay there for both days and, and have a good time, you know, hobnobbing with Don Wilson and Cynthia and all those guys. So that'll be pretty fun. That is going to be fun. So August 5th and, and yeah, yeah, that's that in your calendars, folks. Burbank, California, at the Marriott, the airport Marriott, right? The one right across the street from the airport, right? Yes, literally. You can walk across the street (laughs) from the airport. It's that close. But they do have a shuttle. We'll take you there. But, uh, yeah, it's a nice hotel. They're giving a special rate. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Every year it's fun, and it gets uh, more fun every year. So this is going to be a blast. I'm very excited about it, and uh, we'll have a lot more boosts, double the amount of boosts than last year, and uh, it's going to be a blast. It's really going to be a blast. You know, we have uh, Michael Jai White is committed, and uh, Joe Montaigne is committed, and uh, a couple other guys are committed, uh, you know, Phil Morris and those guys, and uh, uh, we're working on Billy Blanks and all those guys to come, and uh, it looks like it looks pretty good, so it's going to have a nice variety of people. Oh, cool. Very nice. That's going to be. <laughs> I still can't wait. What about you, Bob? Oh, neither can I. It's going to be a blast this year. We're going to have so much fun. Now, 
with what is the cost this year going to be, Michael, for attendance? Uh, it's $30, and uh, that way you can enjoy Dragon Fest. Uh, again, 100% of the funds go to the museum. 100%. Everything goes to help the museum. And we're doing this, pushing this even more because this will help us to get more toward our new location, you know, more funds toward right. our new location. So uh, we're pushing this uh, galore so people will help out. And there's $30, and if you want to go to the VIP party, that's $5 more. And that way you can enjoy that, and they'll help the museum out. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds really cool. But now, now, Michael, you cannot go to the VIP party without going to Dragon Fest. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. You got to go to Dragon Fest, and then you can't just go to the VIP party. You know, you got to go to Dragon Fest and then uh, yeah. get a ticket from there. So. Yeah. That's just to make sure people don't just say, oh, I can just pay five bucks and go to the VIP party. Nice try. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to. We'll and, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking a nice idea for you guys, the radio show, is I want to have a little area besides the performances, a little section, and it'd be like um, a lot of chairs there, and it's sort of like a seminar area, just a talking to people. Oh, okay. I think we should have Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio featured there, and the whole day, they can bring on Don Wilson and other people, and that way people can answer questions from the audience and have a whole big thing just for you guys with, like, 30 chairs or more around you. And I think that would be kind of neat. We would love that. I'll tell that right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That. That, yeah, know, I think that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that was something that, um, Bob, did you and I, like, briefly talk about something like that? Like, wouldn't it be cool if... Was that? Did we do that one time? I don't remember. I was I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't remember either. I could have sworn it was one of those during one of the parking lot, you know, discussions. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but we would love that. We would be so willing to do that. That would be great. Okay, let's and do it. Let's do it. Oh yeah, yep. you guys got a whole section now, just for you, with chairs and everything, and cool. now you can do interviews and. We'll set it all up to look real nice and do Facebook Live and all that stuff. That'd yeah, be kind of cool. Facebook Live, definitely. That'll be awesome. Yeah. What I what, what I'm gonna try to do is actually get a dedicated camera for Facebook Live things that actually feeds into my mixer into the computer and stuff like that. So I'm not using my phone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna get a dedicated camera for for this August. So I think it'll um, it'll be cool. Yay! Well, we look forward to that, Michael. And I uh, just want to remind yeah. our listeners and our viewers about Museum Productions. If you've got something that you want to film, you want to get your forms out there or your art or whatever, talk to Michael. And he's very skilled at what he does as far as pre-production, production, post-production, cover art, uh, marketing on Amazon and stuff like that. Do it. You know, for fifteen hundred dollars, and uh, you own all the rights to everything. You can't go wrong. So talk to Michael at the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Google it up. Talk to Michael. Fly in and do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, even especially you know, even if you want to do a a biography, you know, an autobiography on yourself and your history 
and all that. That's kind of neat to have too. You know what I mean? Yeah. That way, your students or your, you know, when you pass away, that'll be left so people can learn and all that from mm-hmm. who that person was. And I think that's important. That's a great idea. For, yeah, you know, that's any, a really great idea. Yeah, for anyone who's a founder of a system or whatever, um, do it. You know, if you're you know, if you're a student under a grandmaster or whatever, do it. You know, because, you know, like you said, you know, Richard Castillo passed away. I wish that, you know, we had thought about something like this before Grandmaster Kakoi Kenyete passed away. So many people are going into the other realm and we don't have, you know, that last bit of whatever footage. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So very cool. Very cool. All right, folks, go ahead and call Michael. Blow up his phone right now. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, thanks so much for calling, Michael, and giving us information about that. And we will push that on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page also. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Okay, you guys take care. All righty. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Yay. And that was Michael Matilda of the Martial Arts Museum. Cool is that? Museum Productions. <clears throat> That's very so, cool. Now, we do have another caller that did press one. Do you want to take that? Yeah, let's go ahead and take that. Um, area code area code 682. Thank you for being so patient. You're on Dynamic Dojo Talk TV. Who's this? Oh, this is George Rusty. Hey, George Rusty. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, man? (laughs) I think you'd know my uh, number by now, gee, you know. Oh, I see Um, 50 billion numbers every every week. (laughs) Sometimes I don't even know. You know, the only numbers I know are my best friend and mine. And Bob. That's the only numbers I know. <laughs> well, okay. Well, he's best friend number. He's best friend number one, and you know, the other best friend number two. But I only know two phone numbers in my own. I don't even know. I don't even know the landline that the house I'm living at. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't call yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so what's now, up, first man? first of all. I th- I- I think what you should do is is contact the museum guy about uh, producing a CD for your singing. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, before we were were talking about... If you guys aren't okay with just the face video... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> now, before you, before we were talking about uh, opening up a new school and and what to do and what to think about and all kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, my question is to you, Rusty. Okay? okay. I would have to assume that Master Hong was a big part of your learning martial arts. She was she was one of the big parts, you know. She's one of the parts that made up the whole. Because I've had a lot of instructors, 
you know, same with uh, me and and Wayne and me and Bob and Wayne. I mean, you know, I know they've had and been influenced by several instructors. Um, and yeah, you know, she's part of the whole. I mean, I've had, you know, well, the like, thing is, right, Master Master Hog still teaches in Seattle, right? Right, right, right. So if you're going to open up a school in Seattle, I would have to think that you're going to have to do something to individualize your school from hers, correct? That's, yeah, that's that's correct. And the thing that was a little bit different when, and that's a good point, and uh, wouldn't you agree with that, Bob, to, to kind of differentiate between, you know, yourself and uh, and your teacher? So Bob Wayne, would you agree on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, not set yourself apart from your teacher because you're still a part of that lineage and you're representing them, of course. But, you know, um, the, the, there's, I feel that because it's a different person running a different school, there has to be a little bit of difference. And, yeah, there is a difference between me and Master Hong, mainly because of the fact that, you know, I was born here, you know, as Asian American, whereas she, she was, you know, uh, a Chinese national. So, you know, I teach a little differently than she does. Um, but the but the result of the teaching is the same because that's what I that's what I wanted to pass on exactly as Master Hong uh taught it to me. I just teach it differently, different jargon, different drills, different um things to focus on and stuff like that. But in the end, if people go to a Chen seminar and Grandmaster Chen Zhenlei watches my people, they're going to see the same stuff that he sees with Master Hong people. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, have I set my, did I think about uh, purposely setting myself apart from her? No, I didn't. I just knew that I wanted to represent what she taught me the very best I could. Well, I, I understand. If you if you look at like you know you know Chen style, you know any one of the forms of Chen style or whatever, if mm-hmm. you go move by move by move, it's going to be the same as where you teach, the same as uh, Master Hong teaches, the same as Chen uh, Lei teaches it, and Chen mm-hmm. Long and all, all kind of stuff. The actual forms should be the same no matter who teaches mm-hmm. it. Right. All right. But it all depends upon the, I guess, the way you teach it, the how personable you are with the students, and how you come mm-hmm. across as a student, and that's where the difference comes. Right. That's kind of a good segue into what I kind of wanted to touch on next, and that's um, it kind of goes into the marketing aspect um, for anyone that is uh, out there thinking about opening a uh, opening a dojo. Um, in that, um, you know, we had already, well, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this question over to Wayne. So Wayne, do you teach similarly to your sensei or do you just do your own thing, but make sure that the end result is the same? Yeah, I pretty much just say, you know, strictly what we teach. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, you know, I, I don't try to I don't try to veer off too much um, and away from his teachings uh, because that's the way he likes it. Right, right. Yeah, like you know, like it if, might, if, if it was if it was my you know my own school, yeah, I'd probably have something different. Right, 
But since right. I'm guess, doing it for him, you know, I, I yeah. say, you know, pretty much exactly what he teaches. Oh. So basically within his method, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. Now, Grant, I'm sure that Master Hong doesn't do any knife tossing or uh, water bottle tossing, right? <laughs> or bullying, <laughs> knife throwing. <laughs> Now, does, no. does Master Hong sit in on any of your classes? Um, she's only sat sat in on two, and what and it was interesting in because she was teaching at them also, you know. So, okay. but you know, she she did pay me a a great compliment in saying that I taught very well and I got the ideas across very well. Um. And that I was very firm. That oh, you're very firm with your students. That's good. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. <laughs> you're very firm. You're very firm with your students. Um, um, yeah, you know, because if they're gonna, I'm sorry. I mean, if they're gonna do wushu in front of Master Hong, they better be looking like what Master Hong expects. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So you got to be firm. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll be honest, all right? I, I met uh, Master Hong way back in the day when my wife was doing my uh, martial arts down a federal way. Uh-huh. And uh, the teacher there had a connection with Master Hong, so every once in a while we go up to Master Hong school to uh sit in on a class or do a class there. That's how I met you the first time. Right. And um to be honest, watch what when you were doing a, a Chen style, I don't remember which one it was, but um when uh you were doing the form, Rusty, uh you were sort of imposing because you were because mm-hmm. you were, you know, concentrating on the form and you were and your face was like, you know, doing the farm, doing all the fajing and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't want to meet this girl in an alley someplace, you know. <laughs> I wasn't, I don't think I was grimacing or anything like that, was I? No, no, <laughs> you, 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 you had such a serious look on your face. It's like, I don't want to meet this girl in an alley someplace. This girl's going to kick my ass, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but Master Master Hong was the same way when she was doing her forms. Uh, yeah. Now when she was doing her Tai Chi, she looked like she was, let me say, very peaceful. Uh huh. When she was doing her Tai Chi, all right. She didn't have an intense look on her face over there. She was all you know, very peaceful. Da 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 da. da. When the Pajin uh, came through, you could see where she was like. Ugh. Which she did the, the pausing, and that she went right back to the very peaceful and all that kind of stuff. So she, she was a very excellent person to watch through the forms. Right, right. And you know, speaking of Master Hong, because I, I kind of want to still talk a little bit about, you know, how all of this kind of pulled into running a martial arts business and stuff like that. Um, you know, speaking of Master Hong, she had a way of presenting the tradition of wushu and tai chi um, without being, you know, over, you know, Chinese nationalistic um, and to make it attractive to 
people outside of the Chinese culture. Because when I first joined the school, it was it was me and my friend Cheryl, who's Caucasian, and everybody else was Chinese. Within four months, the Caucasians kind of outnumbered the Chinese because of the way she had marketed it. Now, one of the ways that she marketed <clears throat> was doing community uh, community events and demonstrations. So, uh, Bob, I know you've done some demonstrations. Did you have you ever seen a, a good return on um, like interest in your martial arts after you've done dem- demonstrations? Oh yes, especially when we did uh, demos for the Chinese New Year because our uh-huh. school happened to be in Chinatown. Oh, so we got well, that- a large return on that. Yeah, that comes in handy. What about you, Sensei mm-hmm. Wayne? What, what was that again? Of, uh, um, do you do uh, when you were act when you have you done um, demonstrations for public events and and stuff like that? Oh yeah, and if, yeah. If so, have you seen um, like a uh, uh, more of an interest in karate after you've done these demonstrations? Yes, definitely. Same yes, here. Same here. Um, when it comes to marketing, you know, yeah, you know, getting into community events and stuff like that really helps the business. But also, you know, the media, the media. Let's go back about like thirty something years when the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie came out. How many years ago was that? Anyone remember Teenage Mutant Ninja no. Turtle? No, oh, that, was, that was something like that. Yeah. Yeah, nineteen eighty, something like that. I kid you not. Yeah. When that when that movie came out. I was still teaching karate at the time. Ernie Reyes Jr. Had, was Michelangelo. Yeah, Mike, there was Raph and Michelangelo. And, 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 but anyway, after that movie came out, my karate classes like literally doubled. Literally from, from one week to the next. One week I had like, I don't know, 18 people. And then next week, I had like 30-something people, and I'm like, what just happened? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. What just happened? Well, all these little kids want to be like like Mikey or Raphael and stuff like that, right? Um, and, um, and I almost felt like I had to, I had to cater to that. Now, that's another segue. Um because the media does a lot more, uh, lot more uh, bringing out the martial arts into the mainstream. So, have you guys ever felt that um, you had to, not had to, but have you guys ever felt that when people joined your school that they're expecting something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever the current craze is? They wane on this. Um, not really, no. Yeah, I would imagine not because your your art is is pretty much true to form and very traditional, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, you know, pretty much same here. You know, you can't do anything with Tai Chi to to make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Bob? <laughs> oh, absolutely. When I was teaching kickboxing out of my backyard. I got a, a a girl there one time, and she 
she claimed to, to take kickboxing at the time and wanted to find something closer to her house. And I was only a few blocks away. And her, do you remember the show? Uh, uh, oh, it was with uh, that Korean comedian. It was like All American Girl with uh, Margaret Cho. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, her the girl's sister was the young Caucasian girl on that show. So she oh, came to me, and I was starting in in on her, and she says. You know, in my kickboxing class, we show we we throw uh, ninja stars around. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah, they they were throwing shurikens at at, wow. at uh, plywood. I'm going. That's not kickboxing. You're coming to the wrong place. Yeah. Throw shurikens. You throw a water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, well, Rusty, I'll speaking of which, you, oh, you, you know, the, like, like so, sort of similar to the bag you were, you were doing it with, you know, the, 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 the water bags that are, that are held down and you kick it and it moves. I just saw right. one video a few minutes ago on Facebook where the guy did a jump turning crescent on this, uh-huh. on this uh, bag. The bag cam- came back, hit him, knocked his ass out. <laughs> <laughs> hit him right in the face and he hit the ground. It is funny. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. That <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> well, we've only got like uh, a little a little less than 10 minutes um left to our show and um yeah, I I just want to kind of close up with uh with uh talking a little bit more about uh, opening up a martial arts studio. One thing that we didn't talk about really was uh, more along more along the lines of why. Why open a commercial studio and pay money out of your pocket and, you know, having to do the marketing thing and having to do the, the business thing. You know, if you've already got, like, a following at a community center or you know, out of your garage or whatever with a low overhead and, <clears throat> and stuff. Um, you have to ask yourself why? What you know, why you know, why should I do this? Why would I do this? Um, well, that's a good point, Rusty, because if you think you're gonna become rich teaching martial arts <laughs> yeah. you're you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of, you know, and I think that's because a lot of people, you know, look at, you know, the, the big, how should I put that? The, the big schools that, that, uh, clear like a million bucks a year, you know, or the, or the Gracie jujitsu schools that are huge and clear, you know, a million bucks a year or the schools that, um, that really buckle down and, and they have a staff of like maybe 15 people. And have a five thousand square foot facility, and a pro shop, and a and a reception, and, ri- and rings, and everything else that goes with yeah, it, right? Exactly. I mean, there's well, there's if more- you if you had it to Costco or a uh, Chuck Norris or something like that, you know, heading the whole thing, yeah, you're mm-hmm. gonna pull in a whole lot of money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But right. The chief instructor is like Bob Smith from uh, Okie Pernoki, Alabama. Guess what? You're not gonna be doing that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, like Bob says, you know, if you think about getting rich when you're like people like, you know, us, 
you know, it's, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. You know, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, I can I can see making a comfortable a comfortable living because you know uh, when I when we had over a hundred students, it was a comfortable it was a comfortable living. Um, but you know things happen, life happens. You know you move and people quit because people don't like change or you know whatever. Um, and uh, I'm not I'm not back to 101 ways to do top ramen. Um, but I'll say that I'm not rich. <laughs> but you've also got a second job. Yeah, yeah, I've got a I've got a day job, and um, you know people will say, well, you know, if you want to, you know, make something out of it, then you got to put all of it in there. You know, and I understand that. I did it once before, but I was I was dirt poor for about two years doing what I loved. Um, but you know, right. back but, then- but also, Rusty, that's that's not the case in a lot of cases because classes are typically from five until nine or five until ten. You can exactly. still take a full time job on top of that if you need to. Exactly, exactly. Because w- when we were open full time, we had morning classes. We had um, a ten to eleven thirty class, and then um, I think we had a twelve or some one class or something like that. Um, but the morning class only had five people in it at any given time. And it was the same five people. We, we didn't have 30 people in it like we did with our evening classes or anything, right? It was always the 4 right. o'clock class. The 4 o'clock class was busting at the seams. Our 5 o'clock class was busting at the seams. Um, we had, you know, two or three adult classes that were busting at the seams. People worked during the day. You know. Right, and that's then that's another way to look at it. Is it going to be worth now you want to pass along the art, but is morning classes or early afternoon classes gonna be worth your time yeah to spend with exactly. five people? Yeah. But and I have to look at it this way, is it going exactly, is it going to pay me the same wage as my day job? And if not, then you know. And even then you're and really I, not huh. Yeah, even then you're really not um, guaranteed that it's going to stay that way, even if you are making the same amount as your day job. Because people will quit for some reason or another, or whatever. Life happens to them, too. Um, so you have to ask yourself, as a new, as someone that wants to uh, have a martial arts degree, you have to ask yourself, this, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to put, you know, this effort into running a business and taking money out of my own pocket, spending money on my marketing. You have to ask yourself those questions. And, you know, to tell the truth, you don't have to open up commercial studio. You can still continue to teach at the Parks and Rec. You can still continue to teach at your garage and stuff like that. But definitely think about it before you open commercially. Because regardless no matter where you teach, it's all based on the content you provide and the passion that you have for your art. Well, we have 90 seconds left to our feed. So, um, Sensei Wayne, do you have any last words for us before we go bye-bye? I uh, love what you do. Thank you. If you're going to open up a school, you got to love what you do. Um, exactly. like, like Bob said, you're not going to get rich you know, teaching martial arts, that's for sure. So you definitely right. have to love what you do. Exactly. And Bob, really quick, we have 60 seconds. Well, no, I think we got a lot of good information covered. A lot of it was off the cuff. Uh, 
We had some knowledgeable discussions. Uh, it was great. Michael called in. George called in. Uh, just think about what you're doing. Like Wayne just said, you have to you have to love what you do. You have to have a passion for the arts to be able to open up a brick and mortar. Because yeah. there is nothing wrong with teaching for parks and recs. You don't have to worry about anything. And you, you have a, a check getting paid to you every month by the city. Exactly. Exactly. Well, all right, everybody. We are out of here. We are out of time. So we will see everyone next week. Keep an eye out on the Facebook page. We'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 6 p.m. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.